0: What's happening, everybody? This is your co-host, Posh, and we're on the Founder Hour podcast. I'm Pat. There's Pat. And we are here and super excited to be with Chef Tim Hollingsworth, the founder, chef, extraordinaire of OTM. Not OTM. Not ODM. OTM. I love it. It's a fantastic restaurant. We'll talk more about it, of course. And a quick story. So we're both Armenian. Um and so the first time I came here I thought badev, OTM
1: badev. Oh, badev, there you go. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> I thought OTM was short for the phrase on OTM, which means I'm hungry. And I was like, This guy's a fucking genius.
1: Maybe next extra. I strong,
2: remember he told right? me this, like he actually t- believed t- it. Yeah, and I was I, like, no, that's I, genius.
0: I was like, this guy's a fucking genius. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, literally, how great is that name? And so now I just that's what I call it. So Let's pretend I'm right, uh, but Chef Tim, thank you so much for having us and being on the show.
1: No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So why don't we start off like, you know, Pat and I always like to hear about where our guests started their lives, you know, before they became who they were and before they were doing what they were doing. So talk to us a little bit about your upbringing and where you grew up and what you were
1: like as a as a kid. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was born in Texas, um, in Houston, and I moved to California in like second grade, um, so... Yes, born in Texas, southern roots, raised on southern food from my family and how they cooked, but really raised in California, northern California, in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe, where the gold rush happened, uh, Placerville, to be exact, um, or actually 30 minutes east in a town called Grizzly Flat, where my backyard was National Forest, so pretty country. Um, I grew up doing construction with my dad as a kid. um, I skated, I played football um kind of did a lot of sports and uh nothing nothing really to do with food to be honest I mean I assume you enjoyed eating yeah I mean I enjoyed eating eating was a big part of my family growing up I don't think I really realized it until I was like in my 20s to be honest like it was it was something we always did I didn't really understand the culture behind it I hadn't been exposed to many other cultures to be honest with you so um ultimately as I was more educated, uh, with that, I, I found out I, it led me to like the realization that I was actually very much raised around food and very much raised around the idea that my family got together for one meal a day and we sat down, we had dinner, we ate and, uh, that's why we're still close today. I really feel like that. So that's why it's one of the big reasons why food is very important to me and my family as I, as I raised my own children.
2: And, and did your, so I'm assuming your parents cooked a lot at home. Like where, was it both your mom and dad, like kind of tag teaming or was it one or the one? I would
1: say typical American in the sense that my dad did more of the barbecuing. Yeah. My mom did more. Well, that's a lot of cultures, right? My mom did, uh, my mom did more of the cooking. She's a stay at home mom. I have four, I have two brothers, two sisters, so five kids, um we were my mom made my school lunch until I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. She you know, every day we had dinner on the table, Sunday pot roast. Um we had what did we have? We had chicken and dumplings, we had tacos, we had chili, we had um a lot of barbecue tri tip, uh smoked meats as well. Um really, really su- southern in in what we ate. A lot
2: of meat and potatoes, not a lot of fish. Yeah. And and you said so your mom. Was a Seattle mom, and then your dad worked in the construction business. Yeah, my dad, is, my dad did and still does. Yeah. Mm. Did and and did he have his own company or was he kind of like just wor- like working at like a larger? construction? You know, he ran
1: he ran jobs. He runs a division out of Sacramento mm. right now. They do a lot of the remodeling for Starbucks in Northern California. Uh, when I worked for him, we did uh, we ke- we clean like cellular bank towers. We did. Remodels on all the blockbuster videos. If you remember those, rest in peace, blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. Ran <laughs> telecommunication cables. Um, did a did a lot of that. I did a lot of uh, painting and grunt work. And um, my dad, you know, he the house that I grew up in, my dad literally built it pretty much on his own. So um, I was racing around that when my dad would come home on the weekends. Um, from being out of town and building at that point in time, when I was growing up, he would build like a lot of, a lot of the Kmart's and Long's drugs and those big shopping centers. He was in charge of that. So, um, but we did a lot of remodeling and helping out like families in their church with like, uh, any, any things that they would need. So a lot of, a lot of volunteer work as a kid.
2: And did you ever think like you would end up in the construction business? Like when you grew older, like your, as your career? No, I actually didn't want to do that at all. I I wanted uh, I wanted to separate myself
1: from my father. I mean, I worked with him a lot. A lot of the stuff that I did was through that. A lot of the success that I have today was I I do, you know, I do attribute to him. But being that that age and that young, you know, I wanted to do something outside of my dad. I wanted to do something independent. I wanted to not do cooking. My dad was pretty hard on me as a kid too. So you know, I wanted to do I wanted to I wanted to do my own thing and none of that had to do with food to be honest with you yeah
0: i'm curious you obviously wanted to kind of branch away and do your own thing but did you have any idea you know whether it was in your early teens or later teens or even in your 20s what that was going to look like or you just knew that construction's not necessarily for me i
1: mean i had no idea to be honest i, I was i i like Did my did, did something with the Marine Corps, um, took my ASVAB test, tested really well. I was thinking of doing reconnaissance uh, with the Marines. At one point in time, I was thinking of doing uh, law enforcement. I took RLP law enforcement in high school. Um, I did, what else did I want to do? I staged under, uh, during, during high school, sort of vocational stuff. I staged in hospitals for neurosurgery. Um, so, a lot of like random things really did. Sounds didn't like you're just kind of
2: trying to exactly. expose yourself to different things to see what you were good trying at. to find what my you own were. way, right? You know? What, yeah, were, you, what sure. were
0: you good at though? I mean, like you obviously were exploring, but was there any, like, what were your strengths, you know,
1: even in those years? I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think I had, yeah, you know, I, was, I was very athletic as a kid. Um, I had a strength. I could fit in with a lot of people, I could do a lot of different things. Um, I wasn't a very studious person. You know, I was, I was smart, but I wasn't like, I didn't do well in school. It wasn't challenging to me. Um, It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, my parents were very strict. So when I was at school, that was the time when I messed around a lot. That was the time when I did um, a lot of the things that maybe I shouldn't have done as a kid. um, Because that was my outlet. That was my ability. That was, that was where I had the ability to do that. Not at home because my parents were so strict.
2: Yeah, and I'm so I'm guessing like you know when you're in high school, did you end up graduating high school? Yeah, and then I'm I'm assuming like college wasn't in the in the plans or, or no? I mean, or, I, I, did I took you... I
1: took a couple of courses at the at the community college, but that was after I had already kind of found that that uh, I mean, I took like French um, because I was I was working in a French restaurant, so um, it was it was it was already on the journey of cooking.
2: Yeah, so mm-hmm. let's take it back. I guess in that in that high school period, um, when was kind of the moment where. Or what happened where you decided, like, I kind of want to go into the food business?
1: I mean, I got it. My brother-in-law, throughout high school, worked at a, a country French restaurant. It happens to be, like, the, the fanciest restaurant in my hometown. Mm. Um, he still continued to work there on the weekend. He's a mechanic by during the week in order to provide for his family. You know, he worked on the weekends, and he did— This isn't uh, French laundry, is he it? He picked up shifts. no. So uh, no, it's uh, a restaurant called Zachary Jacks. So mm-hmm. we cook like chicken coq au vin, beef bourguignon, salmon and crue pates, sausages, gâteau Saint Honoré. Very very French. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I, everything I w- sounds so good. It's so good. I they don't they even know how those things like work. Bad, sounds- I ate there two we- two weeks ago, and it was uh, I was up there visiting my mom, and my family. So uh, this is in what what's this town? This is Placerville. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they actually Gotta closed down Zachary Jacks and open up another restaurant now um, that is. Uh, slipping my mind right now, but it's, it's basically Zachary Jack's. Um, so a lot of the same food that I grew up on, uh, at least professionally, but I got a job as a dishwasher. Um, just honestly to, to make money while I was in high school, I didn't, my, my dad worked out of Sacramento. That drive is about an hour and 15 minutes from my parents' house. Um, my parents, like I said before, they're in the country. So in order to get to the nearest grocery store, it's a 30 minute drive. Mm. So, um, 30 minutes, 30 minutes to town um, to like almost into town was this French restaurant. And that's where I got a job um, based on, you know, proximity and and driving and and location. I got a job as a dishwasher. It was, it was on my 18th birthday. It was my first day of work.
0: Mm. And And how bad was it to be a dishwasher?
1: I enjoyed it, to be honest with you. You know, like, you know, it was, it was my first job outside of working for my father. Um, or somebody that was a close like church friend or whatever. Um, I actually, I like cleaned, I I when in high school, I would wake up at like three or four in the morning and I would go and I would clean overnight. So I cleaned like daycares, I would clean like, uh, the social service building and stuff like that. So I worked for like a, a maintenance cleaning company, uh, doing that kind of stuff. So other than those two jobs, it was my first job kind of independent and I worked, Um, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed like cleaning all the dishes and having like a clean station and then waiting for, it was like a game to me. Like, can you clear the board? Like Tetris kind of deal. It's
2: one of those things where it's like such a mundane thing where like you kind of have to gamify it and like you know start like you know developing a process and then like you over time there's like this learning curve and you figure out how to become more and more efficient I I don't know if it's a rumor but I heard like Bill Gates still washes his own dishes just because of the the mindfulness of just kind of I mean
0: doesn't every person wash his own dishes? Not necessarily (laughs) Well it's more special when Bill Gates washes his dishes Yeah he definitely does Yeah he definitely has a dishwasher if he wanted right? Yeah he probably has his own dishwasher that he's created
2: It's just like software just washes his dishes And that's (laughs) what they mean Yeah 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 Exactly. Um, so, so you're a dishwasher, and um, you, is, it, is your first stint in like a restaurant food business? Did you have this like vision of you were gonna kind of work your way up to something, and what was that thing, or, or was it just you're taking it day to day?
1: It was a job, and uh, I did really well. I was fast. Uh, I was a fast learner. You know, I worked with my dad again. Like he instilled like a solid worth ethic from me. Um, I was, I was fast. I was smart enough. I like. I, I progressed really, really fast. I was actually only a dishwasher for a short amount of time yeah. because I moved up so quickly. Um, but that job, it was a small restaurant, so there was only like six people in the kitchen um, max. So, you know, we all shared sort of jobs. So if I was a dishwasher, you know, I was also like washing the lettuce for the salad or like, you know, dicing up different stuff, grinding stuff for for pates, all that kind of stuff. So I was busy doing a lot of different work, um, and I was decent at it um so they moved me up pretty quick and uh and I fell in love eventually with like the the rush that comes in this in in service when like you're doing a lot of covers and you're moving really really fast and you stop thinking about exactly what you're doing in the moment Mm -hmm. and you're actually you're actually like five or six steps ahead and like what you're doing in the moment is like almost like already been processed and like I don't know. It's like, it's hard thing to describe, but, um, when you're doing that and you're, and you're that, that rush that you get from being able to move so fast by thinking that far ahead, um, was something that was really fun to me. I think it had to do with like the sports background.
0: I mean, you clearly enjoyed the environment of the kitchen. Did you, at, did you at any moment think to yourself, I want to be doing this for a long time, or did you still treat it as a job?
1: I would say I, I figured out that this is something I wanted to do. I still, at the beginning, I still explored other, other, other things. Um, but ultimately, I would say within a year, a year and a half, I was like, okay, this is something I'm going to do. Uh, this is something that's going to be my career. And uh, I eventually said, okay, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, then maybe I actually started started to like fall in love with the with the industry. Fall in love with. The what, what it was like it was a French culture of dining we would sit down and we would eat afterwards there was wine, my family, and there was no alcohol in our house so there was this this added like aspect of like food and wine now um, just all of, being able to share all of that and experience it all was was um, really really special and ultimately it, it made me fall in love with, I was educated about like different different cookbooks so Le Repertoire de la Cuisine or La Russe Gastronomique. And that's why I started to study French because yeah. the books that were in that kitchen were all French. So, do you and speak
0: French now fluently?
1: No, I like, uh, I spoke a, I spoke it for a little bit, but like it kind of fell away until yeah. I practiced. If I'm like immersed in it, I pick it back up. But yeah. And was it
2: all like sort of self taught from those books or did you end up taking any formal classes or, or? For cooking? Yeah. Specifically? No,
1: I never took any formal classes. I actually I went to, so when I was like 19 years old, 19, yeah, 19 years old. I flew myself to New York. It was my first time on an airplane, first time traveling by myself. Um, I flew myself to New York. I went to eat at La Cirque um, and then took the train up to Hyde Park, spent about a week at the Culinary Institute, took the train back down, uh, ate at Ducasse at the Essex house. I remember I I spent like $250 on lunch by myself, three courses, no alcohol because I wasn't old enough. Um, This is like, when was this? This is like, 1999. Um, So I did that and came back to California. I was like, you know what? I don't want to go to culinary school. I wasn't. I wasn't a very studious kid. Like I know, you know, I know what's going to happen if I go to culinary school. I'm going to fuck around with all these kids and stuff like that and do do these things. So I was like, maybe I should. um, I'm going to work for the best. So I was like, I'm going to work for the best, and instead of going to school. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a commitment to say that I'm going to read the cookbooks, read the, read the class books. So I bought the class books. I read them all. I studied them. Um, got to the point where, you know, I would wake up in the morning, I'd read. I'd, you know, on break from work, I'd read. At Late at night before we had staff meal and we were waiting for the servers to finish up, I'd sit in a bar. I'd be reading cookbooks. So I like really, really fell in love with it. Um, were you
0: practicing what you were reading or you were just reading it?
1: No, practicing, asking the chef that was, uh, that was there and being like, you know, teach me like, you know, how do you, how do you do this? This means this or, you know, like, and then, and then to the point where I saw what he was doing in the tex- techniques that he was using and being kind of young and, and still, you know, ignorant to, to the fact that it was like, oh, you know, like I read the French Laundry, Big Swap Blanching, we shouldn't be doing vegetables like this, we yeah. should be doing them like that. Um, but ultimately ended up you know being like okay well I'm going to work for the best. So who's the best at that time for me? Ducasse, Thomas Keller were like my two like that was the best. And they're still like up there now. They're pretty up there. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like I'm going to get a job for one of them not speaking French proficiently and Ducasse's restaurants being like, you know, like in France or in New York. Yeah, weren't they they weren't here, were they? I mean, he had one, he had one at the Essex House in New York. So mm. And that was like a big commitment. Like if I would have moved out there at that at that time, um, I don't know how life would have been. But So
2: that, sorry, sorry to cut you out, but that first restaurant where you started as a dishwasher, did you end up becoming a chef at that restaurant or um, was it kind of like, like how did you end up getting to that point to then say, I want to work for the best? And what were you doing at that point?
1: I mean I was running the restaurant. I was not the chef because the chef was the owner. Yeah. Um, but I was his right-hand guy. I mean it wasn't it wasn't like a typical brigade, you know. It was like mm-hmm. it was it was more casual, it was more laid back. But I did everything. When they went to France, uh you know, I ran the restaurant. So they would go to France for 2 weeks, I'd run the restaurant. They would uh um they would they would uh his the wife did the pastries and ran the front of the house. The husband was a chef, mom and pop kind of place. I would do, I basically did like a lot of, uh, a lot of everything. I, I, at one point I was doing the majority of the pastries. I was doing the majority of the kitchen work just to help him out. He is, he's, you know, he's an older guy at that point. Um, He's actually still in the kitchen every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's obviously much older at this point. Uh, Pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah. So
0: obviously Elaine Ducasse, Thomas Keller, legendary chefs. I mean, whoever's a foodie even now, like knows who they are. Like the best of the best have studied under like one of them at one point.
1: Um, how did you finally decide Keller? I mean, I, again proximity. I think it was you know he's he's. I grew up in Placerville, Northern California. From you know my parents' house to the French Laundry is probably three and a half hours. Um, made the drive. That's a lot in Napa, at the that point. Right? Yeah, exactly. So. That was, you know, that was the obvious choice, and I was like, yeah, I'll just work for the best. I'll just work for Thomas Keller, right? Um, which, to be honest, being that young, yeah, being from a small town, that kind of naive and confident, like I did really well in the kitchen. Like I was, I was, you know, I was yeah, like, confident of course, in Keller would hire me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna get a job for him, no problem, right? So, um, I ended up. Strategically going into, you know, uh, making a reservation at the restaurant, making sure the chef was going to be there, um, calling again to double check and make sure the chef was going to be there. Going, sounds a there. little
0: like creepy at this point.
1: For sure. I was talking to him a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. So, you know, once I get there, I eat dinner tell the waiter immediately before dinner i was like hey you know i just want to make sure that the chef is going to be there a little bit later i want to turn to my resume tim i brought my resume you know yeah yeah, yeah. of course right so they bring me to the back of the kitchen at the end of the meal i meet the chef i was like hey chef how, you know nice to meet you here's my resume you know i'd love for i'd love to have an opportunity to work for you one day um and he said yeah absolutely you know like here's my car give me a call kind of deal um and i'm sure at this point
2: he's getting like a lot of um i don't i don't know about applicants but people interested in working for him that maybe did go to culinary school and, and have like crazier resumes than than you did right so like i guess you're getting to it like what what do you think like set yourself apart from all the other people that were Chef, yeah, I mean, so wanting to be. Chef. Yeah,
1: like I said, you know, I went in. I went in there. I gave him my resume. Gave me his card. I called, I called. I called. I called. I called. Finally, got the opportunity to stage. Right then, so I staging, going in there, trying out for a job. So I did that. Call, 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 called. Received a letter in the mail that said I was hired. Um, at that point, I don't know why I was hired. <laughs> um, looking back, sounds like you were very persistent. Into, but yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like, I didn't i i shouldn't say i didn't know why i was hired. i didn't I, you know i wasn't i wasn't intelligent enough i didn't i didn't understand the nuances of everything going around until i had showed up and you know like everybody that was there you know worked for danielle blue worked for you know they were these guys were from all over the world and every single person had a resume every yeah. single person um and the reason or you know you asked me why i got hired what, what, what was it right it was the reason I think is that Thomas never went to culinary school, and um, that persistent that drives I mean being an owner of a restaurant now and you know if somebody if somebody is like you know that that shows interest right like that shows that like okay this person give them a try like what's what's the worst that can happen right, right. Um, ultimately what was it three years later I think I was hired yeah three years later um, at the end of the night one night, it was a New Year's New Year's Eve. Uh, so it was into mm-hmm. New Year's Day by the time it was in the middle of the night. Um, we had just finished service. We're all at French Laundry? At French Laundry. We're what si- year did you start there? I started in uh, 2001. I just turned 21. Um, so you could finally drink. I can finally drink. Legally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might have been drinking before. Yeah. Oh, no. So this is like 03, 04. <laughs> <laughs> This. Yeah, 03, 03, 04. It was oh. It was 0-4. Yeah. It was 0-3 into 0-4, uh, right before we opened up, per se. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was the end of the night, uh, end of end of the season, really. In January, we closed for two weeks, closed down the restaurant. So all the open wine, all the leftover ingredients, we'd make a big family meal into the night before um, the next morning we'd all come back and clean the restaurant, put everything away. And then we do, there would be construction, you know, painting the walls, all the sort of maintenance or large construction, depending on what year it was. Um, but there, at that point, there's a lot of reflection. There's a lot of talking. So, um, Eric Zebold, who was a chef at that point, you know, says, Hey, you know, uh, and historically they would all sit around and kind of tell stories and like kind of funny moments Things from the past before people had worked there, so it was, it was a really cool kind of family atmosphere.
0: And chef, not to bother. How many people were you guys at the time?
1: I mean, I would say, I don't know, fifty people in at French Laundry. Yeah, that were cooking. No, no, no. This it, it, is the whole this restaurant. A whole team. The whole
0: restaurant. How many people were actually chefs and cooking?
1: Um, there's two shifts. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times two is ten. Plus about ten, so about uh, thirty people. I would say. Well, wow. yeah, but 30. you
2: said you weren't. You were kind of just helping manage the restaurant at the time, or were you also cooking?
1: No, I was cooking. I was on garmage. Oh, you were at okay, this okay, point. Okay. I was what, on what does garmage. that mean? I was on. I was working like salad and hot apps and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I picked up the Lodi, I picked up the frog legs. I picked. What up was the word for it? Annulotti. No, no, the the, the mean word garmage. Garmage. Yeah, got it. So okay. it would be. I guess Salad Station in English, or Hot hot, hot Apps. Yeah. Um, it really depends on how the restaurant kind of breaks it down. But but ultimately, Garmager there was like, helped pick up the garnishes for the meat and had their um, their first course on a tasting menu, which is typically a vegetarian dish, and was also in charge of the vegetable tasting menu. We also have a five-course menu at that point, so there was a lot of, like, pig's tail and pig's head and, like, different things that I would pick up, frog's legs. Um, so, you know they told me, uh, the chef de cuisine told me, he's like, so by the, I got a story, you know? Um, and his story was basically that I had, um, been hired by accident. <laughs> so at that point, you know, I you know, I was young in the kitchen. I was, I, you know, I was good at like, you know, people, people respected the work that I did for sure. But, I but I didn't have the pedigree of everybody else. So, you know, I was a little bit like, You know, there's probably some confidence issue because of that, you know, because I didn't work for all of these others named chefs. And so he's telling me this and I was like, wow, are you kidding me? And um, basically it was a glitch in the paperwork where he had said no the Chef de cuisine had said no and thomas had said yes and for whatever reason through hr i got a letter i got a letter in the mail saying i was hired oh. so when i showed up which makes sense because when i showed up there um, there was two people trying out you know on the same station at the same time which oh. never had happened you know either you know from 2004 back to when i was started or forward since i had been there So clearly,
0: Keller was the better judge of
1: (laughs) character.
2: And I'm assuming at this point, I would like to think so. I'm assuming at this point, the chef like really liked you or appreciated your work to like even tell you that, or no?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, they wouldn't they wouldn't have told me that if not. I don't think so. And um, you know, I've proven myself. I think you know their plan was, oh, we'll send them down to Bouchon, right? Like, but ultimately, I held my own, and you know, I was able I was able to stay there. And it wasn't it wasn't through ability. I can definitely tell you that. You know, like I I was I was behind the eight ball for sure. Um, these you know everybody else I was I'm using like a clunky wustoff knife. It was like, you know everybody everybody. But I was fast and I ran and my like, like from point A to point B. I was you know I was the first one there. I was the last one to, the last one to leave. Um, you know I was a hard worker. So with that, people would. People would take the time to show me different things and be like, "Hey, man, you should be using this knife. You shouldn't be using this double, you know, double edge woosh off knife because we're making like fine little knife work and di- dicing and stuff like that. It needs to be, it needs to be super small. Yeah. So um, you need know, to have a, like a Japanese style. You know, it needs to be, it, it needs to be seventy thirty on sharpening and like different things like that. So I had chefs around me that were super talented and." My philosophy was I surround myself with the best. So, the best person in that kitchen, you know, set up my cutting board next to that person. And they would, you know, they would be like, no, you know, clean your station, put your towel here, make sure you have your bain water. These are the tools you need to have in your bain water. They, you know, they helped me, they set me up for success. And
2: how long were you at French Laundry for? Uh, I think
1: 12, 13 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah, a long time. And you were, were you ever, did you ever end up being the chef de cuisine or how did Yeah, I was a chef for, I was a chef for years before I left. So, yeah. um, I had started from the bottom. And, and my way here. all the way to the top. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: So Drake was inspired by your story at <laughs> I know he's, frequent. I I know he's a frequent. I told him he wrote a song, song about it, you know? He yeah, did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out
1: to Drake. Yeah. You
0: know, one question I that came to mind is when we were sitting down with Chef Johnny, I, I don't remember if Chef Johnny ever worked at Bouchon. I think he said he might have. Uh, but I could I be wrong. I he think. did. Yeah. I think he did. I think he did. Um, and obviously his style is very, like, militant, right? Like, even at Howlin' right now, it's very just like... You go in there, and we've been inside the kitchen. It's like, yes, chef, yes, chef. I mean, like, just military. Is that something that also happened at French Laundry and something that you've learned
1: along the way as well? Yeah, I mean, times 10. Bouchon, compared to the French Laundry, is times 10. I mean, really, the environment that you're in, it's like command and response. Um, it is very, very militant, very, very disciplined. Um, you know, there's, yeah, you, you have to fold your towel the right way. I mean, it's like... You know, every single step is scrutinized for did sure. You, did
0: you enjoy that, or did you? Were you more of this like, I like my freedom. I want to do whatever I want.
1: No, I thrive under that. I thrive. I thrive under somebody telling me how to do something and like the like perfecting something. Like if you the idea that like every single time it needs to be better and better and better. You know, the idea of like thinking like five steps out that kind of stuff. Like I loved. I love that aspect of it, not from a large scale, you know, at that point, but from a small scale of like, this is my station and this is what I need to do. Um, I was, you know, I was
2: really good in that environment. And you were clearly there for a while. And um, while well, well, I say a while, cause these days, like, you know, for someone to stay at any, whether it's in the food business or any business, like two, three years is pretty impressive. Um, in your case, like, what would you attribute that to? for being there like 13 years and
1: I was working at the best place. I was working at the best place you can work at. I was working, you know, I was, I was graduating, I was getting, you know, my, my doctorate at Harvard basically, you know, (laughs) Harvard school of culinary arts, baby. (laughs) It it really, it really was, you know, and, and, and look, I had, I had the opportunity to go to other places. I, during my time off, I would, I would go and work for free. I would go and work in France. I would go and work in, uh, London, going to work in Sweden, uh, Germany, Austria. Um, I took that time and it was like, okay, we have two weeks off, you know, can, can you guys help me out with a ticket or whatever? And I'm going to go over there. I'm going to find a place to stay. Can you help me out getting a, you know, working at, working for Hans Haas in Germany, you know, working for Gordon Ramsey or, um, working for Hessen Blumenthal or working for, um, 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 uh, Along Sundrens, like different different chefs, like that, and what like I appreciated where I went, I appreciated what I learned, but the environment that I was working in those in those other countries always made me very very thankful to go back and work where I was. Yeah, we had like it was it was like working at Disneyland. It was you know it was the,
2: the the happiest restaurant in the world. <laughs> yeah,
1: you had you have a Vitamix prep right, like a, a like this amazing blender, and um, a lot of restaurants. You know, now people have them, but like back then, you know, not every restaurant had a You guys are the breath. best of the best. It's the best of the best, right? And then, you know, we had one. No, we had two. And then guess yeah. what? If one broke, you just went to the, you went to the storage room and you picked up the other one because we had a backup. Yeah. Like everything was, was luxury to the highest,
2: you know, to the and did highest you, level. And did you at any point in those 13 years have the idea or vision that you would eventually open up your own restaurant? Um, or did that happen in a different way?
1: No, that happened pretty soon. I mean, that happened probably one or two years into the French Andri. Um I wanted, you know, I was i a competitive person. I wanted to, you know, I was reading about Marco Pierre. Why, youngest person to have, you know, three Michelin stars, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, by the time I'm, you know, by the time I'm 28, I'm going to have a, you <laughs> know, I'm going to have a restaurant and it's going to be Michelin starred and blah, 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 right? Um I was 29. I became the chef <laughs> de cuisine at the French Laundry. Not bad, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Were you the youngest chef de cuisine at French Laundry? Um, I don't know.
1: I don't know. So I was. Th- I, I I can tell you this. I was a third. Oh wow! Yeah.
0: Besides the guy before you, and then Keller
1: before that, or no? I mean, uh, so, so the original. Well, when when I got there, it was Eric Zebold. Probably there was a one before that. Um, but at that point, you know, Thomas is in the kitchen every single day, so. You know the chef de cuisine role and title kind of went different when I was when I was cooking. Thomas on the pass every single service. Oh, like, he was literally every single service. And that's what I was
0: going to ask you: is was 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 Keller there every time you were there, or it was just like entrusted to you? Like this is yours, lead it.
1: When I became the chef, yeah, uh, it was. You know, it was it was much high level, much more high level is what he taught. Um, but he. He gave me the ability to have ownership in what I did. There were parameters. You know, there was a structure. The French Laundry has structure, for sure. A lot of structure. (laughs) But but I was allowed to do what I wanted within that structure. Bring your own style. For sure. And he was... And to be honest with you, I mean, you got to remember, right? I started when I was 21 years old. His style was my style, (laughs) you know? And what I was doing there, and, like, I had been putting dishes on the menu from, you know, a young age at yeah, the French yeah. Laundry. And so, you know, the the dishes that were on the menu and the dishes that I had created, you know, with other chefs that were mentoring and guiding me were um, were French Laundry dishes. So my style was very, very much the French Laundry.
0: And, so, no, and Chef Tim, I know, I mean, I'm a big fan of Chef's Table and I've been following this whole chef scene for a very long time. And, you know, some of my favorites are like Grant shots or... Um, massimo in italy i mean he's one of my favorites and i think he studied under elaine ducas mm-hmm. but what you know and, and each of them bring their own style right it's their own art the movement the vision they have the way they taste things the way they work with ingredients so I, I mean it's, it's just beautiful it's like you're an artist mm-hmm. and so what was the style of keller and obviously what what became your
1: style as a result of that i think thomas was uh He's an American chef, right? He he's an American chef that felt like he always wanted to be French. Um so you know, and and back then like everything, it's not like today, right? Like you know, best restaurant in the world is in is in Copenhagen, right? It's like you know, th- we're in a much much different area. Everything back then pointed to French, pointed to the this classic cooking and um you know, like you, I went, I went and worked in London. You want to know what I cooked? I cooked French food. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I worked at the best restaurants. I cooked French food. So um, that that French food was everybody's perspective. But I think Chef, Chef Keller, being being an American and having that perspective on things, really, really resonated with me, and still resonates with me today. I have my own style. I do my own thing. But I would say it's very American and yeah, man, I, I learned to cook French. I, 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 cook with French techniques, not only French techniques, you know, I educate myself, um, you know, around that, but, but Thomas was doing food that was, you know, yes, it was, it was California cuisine. It was based on French sort of techniques, but you know, before I, before I left, you know, the, the, the chef before me, Corey Lee, you know, he's, he's Korean. Um, Amazing restaurant in San Francisco called Banu, and one of the most talented chefs I've ever I've ever worked with, and he, you know, he really, you know, he he brought a lot of Asian influence to the French Laundry at that point in time, and a lot of techniques and stuff like that. And the and the I think the the amazing thing about French Laundry is that, you know, it, it was American food, and it's it's kind of American in the sense of what we do here today at Odium, which is. We cook in a, in a style which doesn't have parameters because if you say you're American and you're American cuisine, I mean, like every culture is American, yeah. right? Everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody immigrated to America and and uh, and you know built their roots or, and, or
2: American culture is every culture. It like is, is every yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, it
1: is, and it's and. And that's what's so great about you know being an American today and being you know especially in a city like Los Angeles that's so diverse right. um, so many different cultures, so many di- so much great food because of that
2: so you're there for twelve thirteen years. Um, what was the moment where you decided to to leave and what did you end up doing?
1: you know I, I decided to leave because you know it wasn't because I had been the chef for a long time it it was because I had been there for a long time, and ultimately. You know, I was into my 30s at that point, and, you know, coming to the realization that... End of your 30s
0: or end of your 20s?
1: I was into my 30s. Into your 30s, sorry. Yeah, Yeah. so I was probably 30... By the time I, you know, wanted to try to leave, I think 32, I gave my notice. Um, 33, when I left. Were they disappointed? No, I mean, I've been there for a long time, you know, like... And it's I like I gave like a year notice. Oh, it was yeah. it was a conversation. The chef is a mentor yeah. to me. It's not like, hey, chef, here's my two weeks. Here's my one month. It <laughs> yeah. was like, yeah. hey, chef, like, you know, I'm trying to figure out what to do next. Help me out. And you know, he he helped me kind of like guide me through that process. And um, you know, he's amazing like that. But he, you know, going going through there and figuring out what to do next um, was a hard choice. But ultimately. It was it's a chunk. Of, it's a over a decade of your life. You know, it's a, it's a yeah. lot, large amount of time. Imagine how much you change in ten years, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, especially from from that, you know, from basically twenty to in your thirties, like you know, you're you, you change a lot. So that that change for me. Um, and were you married at this point, or no, not at all, single. And it, it required it requ- for me. I wanted. I wanted something. I didn't know what I wanted. And that was a difficult thing. And I don't think that I could have found it there necessarily because I was too immersed in what I was doing.
2: And I'm Um, assuming like going and working at another restaurant as a chef wasn't out of the picture at the point? Like you weren't only focused on starting your own Thing, I wasn't. Or were, or were you? Okay. I
1: wasn't. No, I mean, I came down to L.A. without a job. I mean, I didn't literally didn't have a job. I was. I just knew that I needed some time. And, and shift.
2: I'm curious.
0: I want to take a step back and kind of focus in on that point a little bit about you knew you wanted something, but you didn't know what it was, right? Because I'll be honest. I f- I feel like that right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Pat's in the same I think position, a lot of people. And are, a lot of people are in that position yeah. at any point of their career, and we're in our, like, about to be late 20s. And, you know, we've done a bunch of stuff, and a lot of our friends have – but you still don't, I haven't found that something that fulfills me, right? What was that process like for you? I mean, obviously beyond the emotions, like what what did you actively do or perhaps not actively do to find that thing?
1: I think I just had to take time off, you know? Um, I had to clear my head. I had to experience life. I had to think about like, I mean, working in the French Henry, like, it's an amazing place, but it, it's also it's also really, really, really hard. And, you know, I missed both my grandparents' funerals. I, you know, wasn't around for birthdays, wasn't around for a lot of holidays um, based on the fact of just, you know, working so hard and and, and wanting to get to some place. So the sacrifice that I gave up, you know, it took time to, like, take a step back to be like, okay, what a success for me. Yeah, Thomas Keller most successful chef, American chef ever, I would say. Um, That's not my idea of success. It's not necessarily what I want. You know, I want, I wanted a family. I wanted kids. I had, I grew up with two brothers, two sisters. I, I wanted, you know, I wanted different things. I wanted more balance. I didn't, I didn't want to work 16 hours a day. Um, so did you have your
2: mind on anything else but food at the time? Like you were kind of blank slate, like we'll figure out something. But I was this-
1: like, you know, maybe I'll move to L.A. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see what I can do surrounding the food space yeah. that's not standing behind a stove every day huh. is where I was.
0: And obviously you probably knew that you were super marketable. Like, I mean, everybody was going to hire you if you wanted a job after French Laundry. So, I mean, I guess that wasn't a concern.
1: It wasn't a concern, but it wasn't like, I mean, you know, I cashed in on my 401k and I like, (laughs) you know, took time off and and, like enjoyed life. I mean, I worked, I worked weekends. You know, you work, you work every day. Yeah. You work every day. It's like, it's, it's crazy how much sacrifice you. So you had no life during your twenties. Really didn't, you know? No, I mean, everything, everything resolved around, I mean, you're thinking about like working at the French Laundry, you're thinking about like pushing it to the next level. You're thinking about not failing all the people that, you know, preceded you. Like, there's a tremendous amount of pressure there. Uh, you're constantly trying to um, maintain the legacy of the French Laundry. Um, it was an amazing opportunity. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But, you know, needless to say, it's there's a lot of pressure. So um, what
2: made you want to come to L.A.?
1: LA. I mean, San Francisco. So there are a few places I would have moved to San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, um, just kind of like major cities and hubs for me. Mm-hmm. Um, all kind of coastal New York, San Francisco was too close, too familiar, too, com- too comfortable. Uh, you know, I go there, we're, we're, we're close to Napa, right? So I go there mm-hmm. on my weekends, um, go and see the food scene. There's several chefs that had opened up restaurants down there, um, moving to the French Laundry. Like, that stage in my life going and flying out to New York, I put myself in, like, uncomfortable positions. Those positions um, helped me thrive, I think. You know, like, I put myself in a place where, like, I had to fight to be successful. So, San Francisco wasn't that place for me at that time. New York was kind of a, like, it was like, it's New York, right? It's like, it's a big city. Pretty crazy. Um, I'm going to live in a small apartment everywhere. it's going to be like expensive like and I I mean I looked at jobs I I really did. I looked at jobs there and I, ultimately I was like, "You know what? I have met a girl. She's from LA. Um my wife Coco now. Um and I have, I have met her at the French Laundry. She came in to eat and I met her through uh through a friend that one of her friends that she dined with knew the AGM and and, and we met and sort of hung out and like exchanged numbers. I was talking to her um, I was really into her at the time, and LA was sort of this this land of opportunity. You know, it was like it was it was there was the ability to go down there and and experience different parts of food. Yeah, consulting Hollywood and the TV aspect of things, um, opportunities to open up restaurants because the market wasn't so crazy. You can still live and uh, kind of cheaply comparatively to New York. So I ended up choosing LA
2: yeah and in the in in the food oh, around what year was this so like 2000, this was
1: 2003 or four two 2003
2: and so back then like what was how would you explain like the food landscape in la and 2003 and, and,
0: four or 2014
1: sorry yeah for for 30,
2: 14, 14 yeah 13-14 um yeah what was the landscape like and did, did was there any like one opportunity that you were like super into or super passionate about that like i want to kind of do this
1: I mean I had been intro to, you know, people at uh, CAA Creative Arts um yeah. and was intro to um a company in Manhattan Beach to consult for um I was really into my girlfriend at the time Coco, my wife now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really into her so there wasn't like there wasn't there wasn't anything specific there wasn't anything to move, you know, move down to LA for, that's for sure. Um no offense, wife, but <laughs> there wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything that was outside like of, yeah, that career-wise. Yeah, exactly, yeah. career-wise. So, um, <clears throat> so I ended up moving here and the reason why was a lot to do with, you know, my wife now and then a lot to do with just, um, I felt like LA, there was, there was a lot of opportunity to open a restaurant and do something great. Um, even though, you know, fifteen years ago, from then was you know I would say I would never move to LA. I would, you know, the food scene was you know Terrible. not what I wanted to be. Yeah, it wasn't like and everything was about the hot spot and this space yeah. and then it's going to go to that space. It's like
0: yeah, and I think how I, mean, I, be I being like lifelong Angelinos? I mean, although this is like in the last you know what ten years is really our adulthood. We never really grew up or like our parents or our older friends or whatever. They never really talked about the foodie scene or just the food scene in general. I mean, you had your local great hotspots, your franchises, you know, whatever chains. But besides that, you know, it was either the super high-end stuff in Beverly Hills, the West side. I mean, downtown was not developed like this. I mean, like my <laughs> mm-hmm. dad's a jewelry manufacturer is still to this day on sixth and Broadway. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't let me go down the building on my own. Right. Like, yeah. and then a decade ago, like you just see this massive, like beyond even gentrification, just like a massive redevelopment and a replenishing of downtown and just, all the cities surrounding it, and we saw whether Highland Park or Silver Lake—all these little spots. Just and like, I think a lot more welcoming up.
2: to um, like the arts and food and yeah. that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I feel like before it wasn't before it was just like, like that.
0: you know law finance like you know it's corporate yeah. it was corporate like you know you have your fashion district jewelry district all and all that stuff, but it wasn't very food and culture mm-hmm. focused. Like the fact you that you need to
2: have a fashion district, I think like expi- yeah. <laughs> explains it all, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Um,
0: so do you automatically food. decide okay, like I'm starting a restaurant? That's it. I'm gonna go do that. When you come to LA?
1: No, I mean, I, I again took time. I, I consulted a little bit here in LA. Um, and is like food consulting or like yeah, food restaurant helping what, out. What was know? the
2: creative arts agency thing for? Like, was it to do to like do TV?
1: You to know, to such do, a Hollywood story. Yeah, to do <laughs> to do some, you know I moved to LA to you know be a movie yeah. star, right? like to, to be a TV star. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I wanted to see what that aspect of it. I wanted to see you know what that was, obviously celebrity chefs were a thing at that time Yep. Um, just beginning I, I would say, but yeah. you know I think the consulting, you know I consulted here, I consulted in Korea, I consulted in Lebanon um, and that was, you know, although it was great and it was amazing to experience like Korea and Lebanon um, amazing food in both places, amazing cultures Hopefully next you're going to have like a Lebanese-Korean concept maybe.
0: <laughs> I mean I'm my, yeah, my I'm Lebanese so like i wife I'm Lebanese is Lebanese. There you
1: go. There you go. Shout out. <laughs> there we Lebanese. Go. Uh, and her mom is an amazing cook. Very there very we go. good.
0: Well, is that where the is that where the beef tartare comes from at OTM?
1: Yeah, you know, we it, call yes. it chikifte. Yeah. Yes. Or
0: kabinaya.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it you know, it's obviously it's not it's not the same dish by yeah, any means. Yeah, it's inspired. Right? No, no, absolutely. Yes, but it was, it was my exposure to that culture's right, cuisine and right. all the different I had never, honestly, I'd never had Lebanon before. Yeah. Never. Really? You know, like uh, never, right. I'd never had Muhammara. And Muhammara yeah. was, um, I went to Arda's house, which you guys just met Arda, yeah, I went yeah, to yeah. Arda's house. Arda's uh, a good friend of ours, yeah. Yeah, and Arda, Arda's mom made, you know, taught me to make Muhammara. Wow. Know, she wow. taught me to make, cool. um, Monty. She taught me like, mm-hmm. yeah, like awesome. I love learning from my mom and, yeah. uh, you know, Coco's mom, my, my wife's mom taught me to make a lot of different things. And, and those ingredients are all sort of Middle Eastern ingredients, but at the same time, they don't necessarily see each other at the same point. Right. And, um, for me, it was just being inspired by that and trying to create something new, Um, we changed the menu every day at the French laundry. We did a lot of dishes. So it wasn't my goal to come down to LA and open up the French laundry. Right. You know, it was my, it was my goal to be different. It was my goal to not open up this French laundry, just specifically try, you know, we didn't cook with butter when I was, when we first opened like for, for like well over a year. I mean, sure. And some pastries and whatnot, but like, you know, we're, we're not sitting there like basting stuff with butter. French laundry we go through. Yeah, you know, 40 pounds of service it's like you know you're butter poaching lobsters yeah um you know in a giant bath of bromonte it's amazing so
0: good god <laughs> i'm just imagining the lobster taking a shower in a yeah. butter bath it's
2: like what's what's better than that yeah. i mean yeah. nothing honestly <laughs> i don't know um so so you, so you started otm at that at that point was right yeah i was, I was a, tapped
1: on so i was tapped on the shoulder to open up a restaurant um and i immediately said no I was tapped on the shoulder, kind of fast, like you know when I when I first moved to LA. I said no. I consulted for a little bit. I did the TV thing for a little bit, um, and they came back to me. They're like, "Hey, like you know, do you want to open a restaurant?" And I was like, "Okay, let me hear what it's who, about."
2: Who, who came back to you?
1: the uh, the the restaurant group? The the oh. um, um, specifically like Bill Chate and that team. Mister um, came back to me, and and. and Initially, I no, I didn't even I didn't even listen to the project, right? I was like, I don't want to open a restaurant. I need time to like figure out what I want. Um, And then, and then I was like, the second time I was asked, I was like, okay, like let me let me hear what it is, right? And so, the idea was to partner with somebody to open up a restaurant for the museum, but not to be necessarily a museum restaurant because. They didn't want food inside the, re- the the museum specifically. They wanted it adjacent to it. Yeah. So we're an amenity to the museum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I didn't want to be a museum. Museum
2: restaurant food just chef. doesn't sound. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, there's no. a
1: few people that do it good. There there are, but yeah. like for the most part, when you think of it, it's a, it's an amenity to the museum. It's not like it's hey, like it's a it's separate Making brand, a yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the I, the idea to open up that the idea to partner with somebody like the e- Eli and Edith Broad Foundation. I mean partner with somebody like that that's given so much to Los Angeles and um you know done so much in his lifetime is very very unique for a person from Placerville, California.
2: And how did how did he know about you? Like was it um from TV show like doing TV or was no, it I didn't from do any French TV. Laundry? I oh, you any didn't t- end up doing yeah, any TV. didn't okay. no, any
1: TV at that point. It was okay. he knew about me through Bill. Bill huh. Chate and and uh yeah. and and his um you know, the people that he had working for him at that point in time. So, you know, I, I I ended up saying, you know, yeah, let me hear more about it. The other aspects of this, I mean, we just talked about how downtown was basically, you know. Nothing. Nothing, you know, like just like <laughs> this area and this, yeah. you know, this, this, this area for.
0: Well, this specific area was like literally, I don't remember it being anything. Like I mean, Disney Concert Hall was like there. Yeah. You know, but like that was even pretty recent. Yeah. But besides that, it was nothing here.
1: I mean, I lived in that building right there. I oh, would wow. walk over and I would walk my dog during the construction. I couldn't get a cup of coffee on a weekend. Yeah. Right? I know. There's nothing here. Yeah. So, the idea of opening a restaurant, partnering with them, being able to build a restaurant in downtown LA from the ground up, um, these kind of opportunities don't come every day, right? So, um, but the, the real kicker for me was. The real kicker was being able to be downtown in an area that has not been developed, specifically a part of downtown that, you know, needed, needed a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of the aspects that a city has, right? Like there's people walking around and like just community. Um, that was Mr. Broad's vision. He wanted to see people walking around here and hanging out on Bunker Hill in downtown. Um, and if you think about it at that point in my life, you know, I'm doing two things. I'm from you know, from a personal standpoint, on that side, I'm you know, I have met a girl, she's now like, you know, we're we're getting into my time in LA. So, you know, she's now somebody I'm really into and I'm gonna I'm gonna start a family with, we're gonna get married, we're gonna have kids. Yeah. Um, at the same time professionally, you know, I have the opportunity to make an impact and one of the biggest cities in in America, or the world, yeah. yeah, or the world, and be able to like, you know, play a part in and in, uh, in building an area and and in downtown. I mean, that was a as an amazing opportunity. Um, I'm having, you know, on a personal side, I'm having a kid that was, you know, born September 14th and the restaurant was due to open September 20th. Well, wow. yeah. um, you know, these these things were kind of going at the same time. It's,
0: I feel like it's always what happens. Every time we've interviewed a founder, it's always like personal it's life and professional life collide. find a really bad that, timing that, to that collide. Point. Yeah. Um, it's,
1: it's it seems like yeah. a bad time but at the same time it's a good, good time, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? Like, exactly. it's, like it's, exactly. that, it's, a, it's, it's a tough time thing. but it's a good
2: time. Yeah, yeah. those yeah. those
1: tough times bring Was
2: there anything stronger. that maybe you weren't so sure of or afraid or, or um, you know, I don't know, like about kind of opening up your own restaurant and all that kind of stuff or was, was it all pretty clear in your head of, of what it would be and how, how you would start it?
1: I mean, I knew I knew nothing about opening up my own restaurant. I, I, I worked at Disneyland in Napa, you know, like this, yeah. this place is a fairy tale. It's booked every <laughs> single night. It's like, right. it's amazing. But, you know, like th- that aspect and, and what I knew... I knew how to run a restaurant like that, but I didn't. You know, this is a this is a very different business. This is an area like we talked about. There's nobody walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a destination, so it really made me think from a creative standpoint, conceptually what what was the concept going to be and and who was it going to be marketed to? And um, you know, I I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but you know, ultimately, you know, I think the the sum of it all. Is an amazing restaurant with an amazing culture that has um, staff who really believe in the product and um, and what we offer here um, and are excited to come to work every day and and when we employ 130 employees at this restaurant, that's that's amazing. You know, that's that's a really it's that's more than a lot of a lot of smaller companies. Yeah.
0: So, so what was the concept for OTM and where the name come from and give us some of that early day stuff.
1: Yeah, so Odium, you know, Odium is a, a Latin abstract term for something you do in the, your leisure, eating, drinking wine, academic endeavors. Um, the idea of Mr. Broad's vision, wanting to bring people to this town, part of town, educating people about the arts, having people kind of hang out in the plaza in front of the restaurant, obviously restaurant, eating, drinking wine, um, all of those things kind of coming together. That's where the name came from. The Conceptually, you know, it's... it's uh, it's an American restaurant. It's a new American restaurant. We, you know, we celebrate the different cultures in America and uh, we offer cu- cuisine that's influenced by a lot of those cultures. What what was the, the reasoning behind that? It has to do with the clientele. Um, next to a museum, an area downtown, a lot of tourists, a lot of people going to be traveling L.A. being so eclectic and, and, and its culture and diverse, you know, all of those things played a part into what the concept ultimately ended up being. I think I looked at a restaurant and was like, you know what? What is a restaurant? Well, a restaurant needs to support the part of town that it's in, like the community around it. Um, so we ended up opening for lunch first. Why did we open for, up for lunch? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's during this in. part of, you know, during during lunch hour... There's you know tons of people working in on Bunker Hill. Um, there's the courthouses. There's a lot of bank buildings. There's you know finances and all this stuff. And and obviously um, the
0: museum is open. I think during the day.
1: Yeah, the museum mm-hmm. is open during the day, and the clientele that goes there. Um, what is it at night? It's you know it's a cultural a cultural center where you know there's a lot of arts around us. You know we're right across the street from the the Colburn School. We have Mark. Um, the Mark Taper, we have Dorothy Chandler, we have Walt Disney Concert Hall, we have a lot of, a I lot think of, uh, here too, right? Mocha's, yeah, mochas right there as well. So, you know, all of these things kind of coming together, you know, really, really gave me the idea or gave us the idea, yeah. uh, to conceptualize something that really was like a new American style restaurant.
2: And I know, um, you said early on you were trying a bunch of things and had a lot of, made a lot of mistakes. Um, was there like a moment where you could attribute to like that you were like, okay, I'm on the right track, like this is, Going to be a successful restaurant, and and we know what we're doing.
1: I mean, we 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 opened up so busy, and it was you know it was a it was a huge, it was highly anticipated in in Los Angeles, and I think you know with that comes comes fear. You know, it's like you want to you want to be successful, you want to live up to the expectation. Right. A lot of people thought we were going to be the French Laundry. It's not what we're going for. So, trying to educate people about that. Um, ultimately. You know like I said before, you know we're 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 here for the community and 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 as much as we can be, and what that means is that the guests that are coming in and what they want and like the music they want to hear and like how loud it is and the atmosphere and like the different day parts that we're open to all of that plays into the part of of what you know we we had to listen we had to adapt, we had to change we have it we had to pivot, and I think that's something that a lot of restaurants don't necessarily do sometimes. And you know, chefs come in; they have their vision. They you know they really yeah. want to they really want to do what they want to do. If you don't adapt and you don't you know you don't you don't go you don't give the people sort of you know what they want to a certain extent, then you know at the end of the day, a lot of restaurants that fail and close in the first in the, you know in the first year of their the life. And you know, I, I attribute us listening and uh, and adapting, adapting to, to how many people we were doing in the clientele that we were getting. Uh, and the food that they wanted and how they wanted to eat it we we listened to all of that, and you know I think that benefited us.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and you guys have obviously done a phenomenal job i've I've dined here before, and I've told Pat, and hopefully we can eat too. yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's one of my favorites in LA and I mean, I love food and I love to go out and I think more, I mean, the food first of all is phenomenal, but I think for me, what makes a restaurant great is really the atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. Like just the people that are around, like when we were dining here, me and my girlfriend, like there was other people around us and we were conversing with them. And like, that's what I enjoy. Right. it's For me, it's like, I expect great food Mm -hmm. when I go to a restaurant. That's why I'm going out. Yeah. But where, i'm really excited is where i'm just like having a great time when i get out and i'm gonna forget the food perhaps when i get out which i did in here but just just the whole vibe right the energy and you start getting excited in your conversation with your Mm -hmm. friends and so i love that and you know one thing i want to ask you among many other things is last night funny enough i was watching a video of uh evan funky the Uh felix restaurant chef and he's obsessive about pasta and making pasta with his hands and whatever i'm curious is there anything that you are just obsessive about whether on the macro or micro level that makes you and this restaurant so successful?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's certainly that Japanese uh, style of, 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 of obsession where you spend your whole life to perfect something. Um, that's not me. I'm not that person. Um, I have a lot of different interests. I've, you know, I have a lot of different hobbies. I do different things. Um, I do a lot of different things in even one given day. Um, the, the opportunity to learn and, and experience the world through cultures and their food um, is what sort of inspires me. So it's not, it's not necessarily you know making pasta by hand and you know the idea of perfecting that, That's not it. That's, that's, that's one small aspect of what I like. Do I like to make pasta by hand? Of course I do, you know, but not to the point where that's, I'm going to dedicate my restaurant to doing that. Um, I, I liked being eclectic. I like, you know, I like learning a lot of different things. So, you know, the rest, the menu here um i, it's I all do, over the place it's all over the place it's yeah. crazy you know and and i think that's how my my brain works and my mind works it's like you
0: get non-bread and then you, you get that roasted chicken and then you get like <laughs> <laughs> beef tartare like with the lebanese inspiration i'm just like where am i it's like around the world
1: yeah and i think you know i think for part of that you know it, it was tough for people to process you know you think about like you know, I think about if so I said, hey, guys, what are you let's go to dinner after this. Where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. You're, you're not – you might name a specific restaurant. Okay. But other than that, you're like, what are you in the mood a for, type right? of food, yeah. Yeah, you're going to name a specific type right. of food. So I, I want to that's, that's usually
2: yeah. how it goes with my girlfriend because we yeah. can't decide on a place. They'll be like, okay, what kind of food do you want? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know.
0: Yeah, and no one's like naturally. California cuisine. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know that's the re- tough part. You know what I really want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really want everything around the world yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So I think, you know, I think that was, I think that was kind of our Achilles heel for, you know, for a little bit in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, we've, we've been able to battle and, fi- and fight through that uh, because it's not a restaurant that you're saying like, I want pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go here. I want Italian. I'm going to go here. I want French. I want to go here. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have pasta too, no? We have pasta, but it's not like, it's not, you know, we have a corn anolote that's inspired by yeah, Mexican street which is corn. really
0: good, by the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I remember that <laughs> I anolote, mean, was really
1: good. We have bucatini that's inspired by a carbonara. We have, you know, we yeah. have, we have several different items and yeah. it's done, it's not done traditionally, it's done inspired by, you know, inspired by a region, inspired by, inspired by a dish, inspired by whatever, but it's. It's it's more fun. It's 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 great to be creative like that, but it's not. You know, it doesn't. I'm not going home and, and obsessing over one style, one thing. You know, yeah. It's, that's that's not.
2: It's not who I am. So since starting O Team, I know um, you have a couple other restaurants. C J Boyd's is one of them, and then Free Play. Yeah, is that right? Um. So I guess what is like the next five years look like to you? Like, what do you what do you hope to do in the next five to ten years and and the future?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been in I've been in L.A. for about seven years now. I opened up Barrel and Ashes. Um, Excellent, which, also at that thank time. Thank you. Yeah. I'm no, no longer a part of that necessarily, yeah. but I, you know, have uh, that was fun to set up. Southern roots, my family's kind of background. That was right? before Odium, right? That was before yeah. Odium, but it was really in conjunction. Odium was like gonna happen and time, doing yeah. it, and like we had we had time. We're building the yeah. restaurant from the ground up, so we did that restaurant. Uh, we did Odium. C.J. Boyd's is fried chicken sandwiches inspired by kind of like the cities in L.A. That um, is based at the Fields here in downtown L.A. That's uh, named after my grandfather who used to get fried chicken on payday. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's that's a great homage to my family. Um, and then Free Play is a is a sports bar that um, that's that's awesome. If you ever guys you guys are ever seeing a game at LAFC, I just got to see my first game. Um, ironically, after it? a year being open, it was an amazing game. Verospo, yeah. uh, he yeah, saw that three amazing. goals yeah. like yeah. in yeah. the first like, half almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was incredible. Uh So amazing to see it. So yeah, we went to awesome USC, place. so
2: like right on that area. Like um, when the Bank of California Stadium came and all that stuff, it changed the whole area. Yeah, the whole yeah. landscape has changed um, too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's changed. It's unreal. Yeah, but uh it's changing, right? Like that's a where we're at down yeah. there. It's like yeah. it's still it's still changing. It's, it's still there's yeah. still a lot to work with. Yeah. A lot of of work to be done, I should say. Um, I started a clothing company, the clothing company called Base. I saw
2: that I saw that on the way here. I was like I was on your Instagram and I saw that I was like this is sick. Like yeah. it's like a streetwear, it's like a streetwear brand kind the of. A streetwear brand, yeah. you know,
1: it's uh it's it's based in LA, uh, B A S T E. Um, kind of a play on words, basting in a kitchen right yep. you're basing a ter- turkey, you're basting your steak with butter, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. you're doing. Um and then based like we're you know, we're here we're we're based in the city. Ooh. So, it's Fine. a little little play on words, but you know, the idea behind that was um, I like streetwear I like fashion um, I like wearing different things and you know why not why not make my own line why not make my own line for for people um, and the goal isn't just for chefs the goal is for you know sort of sort of everybody um, who knows maybe it will be you know based in other cities after this yeah um, it's done really really well um, it's crazy you know, it's just like a hobby I had the opportunity to do it and I was like why not do it um, had some people that were sort of in that industry, partner with them, and, and and made it happen. Um, but it's really, really, it's yeah. it's fun. You know, you talked about like being a chef and being behind the stove and like perfecting. Like now, now what I do has a lot to do with creative and concepts and like um, operations and stuff like that. But you know, this design of this restaurant, what we use, the tableware, everything. All of the, the the gardens that you see around us, all of that, all of that is, you know, is an opportunity for me to be creative and and was in the development of this, and now it's like clothing, and you know, so what's next? Um, I see more restaurants, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to try to figure out, you know, a problem that people are having in the kitchen and and help with help solve that problem with, uh, you know, trying to trying to create some sort of merchandise of, you know, whether it be um, yeah, you know, a tool in the kitchen or something like that. I Always mm. try to challenge myself to see, like, you know, how do we work professionally, and how does that apply to to someone like my mom that might be cooking yeah. at home. And and
2: you have all these projects going on in your professional life. Like, do you have that much time outside of it to do other things? And what do you what do you do when you're not working? I mean,
1: moving to LA and leaving the French Laundry, a lot of it had mm. to do with balance. And yes, I work a ton, and and uh, but I also have balance in my life. If I need to stay at home with my kids tomorrow morning, I can. Um, you, you've got, got two kids med- now. I have two kids. I have one dude next week. So, oh. you know, I have I have uh, three kids, two girls and a boy pretty much. Nice. Um, I have 13 chickens. I have two big dogs. I have, you know, I have, uh, I planted 45 trees in my in my house. I'm, you know, composting, raising, you know, looking up how to raise bees. I'm going to be doing that. And, like, I don't know, just, like, constantly learning about different things. I have hobbies. You know, I like to ride motorcycles, skate sometimes. Like, do different things that are um that are that are fun that just keep me interested but uh i don't know i i I guess i'm just really fortunate to be honest
0: one of the final things i want to touch upon is you know and you you kind of touched upon it earlier was this celebrity chef sensation that's really taking over probably the world in the last like half decade, like five, six years, you know, whether it was Chef's Table and then you were recently on the show Final Table as well. Um, there's a lot of these chef documentaries. It started, I feel like it started with Jiro Dreams of Sushi mm-hmm. and like really kind of grew from there. Why do you think that it took so long for chefs to be recognized on that like celebrity level?
1: I mean, if you think about it, it's a blue collar job, right? Like, yeah you don't go to school and learn how to run a restaurant or could cook for that matter. Um, you go, you know, it's a crap. My dad did construction. He didn't go to school to build houses. He learned how to build houses by, you know, being a journeyman and working his way up. And I think, you know, it's the same sort of thing. It's, this is the blue collar job. Um, I think eventually everybody really appreciated the food that was around them and where it where it came from. And that's been for, you know, for years and years and years now, as far as, far as the celebrity access to it now, I think it has to do with um, just people wanting to understand how things are made and what's behind the scenes and everything like that. And the... You know, the opening those doors, you see who the person is. That's the creative aspect of it. And it's something people can associate with. You eat like three meals a day, right? Like, you know, it's something. Sometimes more. Yeah, sometimes more, sometimes (laughs) less, right? Sometimes less, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, I I think it has to do with that. And I, I, you know, I'm thankful for that in my industry and in my career and what you know, it's created opportunities for me it's cre- you know it, it generates business when you when you're on a television show like that um which 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 helps out everything but but at the end of the day you know it's it's still it's still a craft and it's still you know it's still like artisanship of what we do um and and i don't think you can lose sight of that and i think people people want people want to see that you know people want that that sort of relief when they go home is to be able to like turn on the TV and see somebody else being creative and <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. you know living out their dream and it's a passionate industry you know it's like yeah. you're working with food it's like you're you know like if I go to my wife's you know mom's house right now. And she has something on the stove. She's going to take a spoon and shove it in my mouth. You know, yeah. like she wants to share it with me. And I think yeah. I think that that's what we want to do with food. We want to just share it with the people around us.
0: As a foodie, as a chef, I know besides odium, which all our guests should definitely check out, what are the other restaurants in L.A. that, you know, you personally love?
1: I mean, there's so many restaurants. Um, you know, I think a lot of my time is spent trying out new restaurants Um, So I don't have a lot of opportunity to go back to different ones. So what are some of the most recent ones, I guess, that you've checked out? I mean, I go to my local neighborhood. So I go to Pine and Crane. You know, I go to Same Same Um, for Thai food. We order town pizza. We live in Mount Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got a carousel. Um, you know, there's, there's amazing, you know, Broken yeah. Spanish is amazing. Bavel's is mm-hmm. amazing. Republic is amazing. Bestia is amazing. Literally his name is every single restaurant I like so far. <laughs> like it's, you know, like these yeah. are, these are all amazing yeah. restaurants. Um, there's many that I want to try, you know, um, Dialogue is amazing. Vespertine is, is incredible. Um, I want to try Somni. I want to try, um, Dave Barron's new spot. I'm dying to try that. Uh, there's just you know, there's not enough time in the day. Sometimes <laughs> I'm supposed to take my wife out to dinner tonight, and uh, you know, we're looking, we're gonna eat Japanese food, and nothing's open on Monday night, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Little Sister. I think Little Sister is a great phenomenal restaurant, too. restaurant. It is. phenomenal restaurant. yeah.
0: Well, Chef Tim, thank you so much for opening up your doors to us and this rooftop. And we're sitting right next to the Broad Museum, it's an incredible scene. Obviously, you've had an incredible story, and it's, I, I think, even though it's been a long career already, I think. The fun part is just about to begin, and obviously, for both Pat and I, being in LA all the time and seeing your growth is going to be incredible. And you know, we hope to be here along for the ride as well. Thank thank you. you.
1: Means a lot. Thanks for having me on. Thank you you so much.